who wants to miss that, right? Praise the Lord. So if you have your Bibles, um, turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 37. This morning for Pentecost Sunday, we're kind of putting putting our study in the book of James to the side. We'll be back in James next week. Um, But Ezekiel 37, I want to bring a message to us this morning entitled, From Bones to Breath. From Bones to Breath. And I'm going to read for us Ezekiel 37, beginning at verse 1, down through verse 14. You can follow along on the screen or, or in your Bibles there with me. And so the scripture says, The hand of the Lord was on me. This is Ezekiel speaking. And he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And this is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put my breath in you and you will come to life. And then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath or to the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open up your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open up when I open up your graves and bring you up from them. For I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and have done it, declares the Lord. So, Father, we thank you for your word today, and I pray, God, that you would speak to us and that your word would become a reality within each one of our lives. God, bless the preaching and the hearing of your word to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I wonder today how many of us have ever felt like a dried-up bone, as if you become lifeless, hopeless, everything may be a total mess. Or maybe you felt like your life was just a shell, like you've been going through, just going through the motions of life. You know what I mean? Getting up and going to work, taking care of the kids, whatever it is. Maybe even the motions of religion and worship. You've been doing the right things on the outside, but you're frustrated with who you are on the inside. You feel like there ought to be more. There must be more. You're longing for life, real life, spiritual life. We see this passage of scripture is an incredible visual of what God wants to do within each one of us. 
For as we'll see, it's a picture of what it means to go from death to life, to experience the work of God's Spirit in our lives, that we might, might, might truly become Spirit-filled people, people who know what it means to be alive as we live our lives by means of the supernatural work of God's Holy Spirit within us. For I believe God wants to say to us today, there is more. For it was never God's plan to leave us as a bunch of dry bones, nor even as just a shell of a person. For God wants to remind us today that no matter how hopeless and lifeless our lives may at times become or feel, that by his Holy Spirit, he is able to bring about new life, supernatural life within each one of us. You see, when we come to, yeah, come on, you can give the Lord praise. Aren't you glad for that this morning? Listen, when we come to Ezekiel 37, we find that life was pretty terrible for the Jews living in Babylonian exile. For not only had they been stripped of their independence and all that was familiar to them, but after 12 years of waiting to get back to their beloved Jerusalem, their hope of such a return had recently been destroyed. Word had arrived that Jerusalem and the temple had been turned into rubble. That all that they had hoped for had been wiped out. That the city, the temple, and their hope was now in ruins. And you know, without hope, people become lifeless. Without the thought that tomorrow can be better than today, people lose their reason for being. They lose their desire to get up in the morning and face another day. They lose their will to keep on trying, to keep on going. They lose their will to face another day. Without hope, there's no reason to live. Without hope, there is no life. And that's how these exiles were feeling. But I want you to notice the question that, that is asked of Ezekiel in verse 3. But the question comes to Ezekiel, can these bones live? Can these bones live? In other words, Ezekiel, as you stand here surrounded by these lifeless bones, as you look at lives that have been wrecked by sin, as you look at people who've had the life sucked out of them, as, as you look at men and women who are ready to give up and give in, do you think there's any hope for them? Do you think, man of God, there's any chance of life for them? What do you think, Ezekiel? What do you think, church? Is there any hope of life for them and for us? And I'm not too sure about Ezekiel's answer. To me, it almost seems like the religious answer, you know, a cop-out answer. It's like when your kids come home from Sunday school, you say, well, what did you learn about today? The Bible, Jesus, you know, well, yeah, we know that, you know. Ezekiel's answer, O oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. So pious, right? So religious. Notice Ezekiel never really answered the question regarding what he thought, whether he had the faith that these bones could come back to life, whether he had enough vision to see what was what would see beyond what was before him. But thankfully, Thankfully, God will not get stuck because of us. Aren't you glad for that? That God will not get stuck because of our lack of faith or our lack of vision. And thus, God reveals to Ezekiel that he is a God who's able to bring about life even to dry bones. 
You see, it's a great word for us today, church, especially to those of us who just might feel like a dry bone, that God wants to take us from death to life. We might say from bones to breath. And so I want you to look with me at the three parts or the three stages of Ezekiel's vision. The first thing we see, of course, are the dry bones, the dry bones. And again, God places Ezekiel in the middle of the bones. In fact, he, he makes him walk through the bones. Can you imagine that? Wanting Ezekiel to feel the full impact. And so he's walking through this valley and hears arm bones and leg bones and skulls and, you know, hip bones. I mean, I mean, these bones are all over the place. Ezekiel has to walk through them. And in fact, we're told that these bones were very dry. That is, they were dead as dead could be. I mean, you talk about dead. This is dead, dead, dead. You know, this was a place of death. This was the real death valley. And verse 11 tells us that these bones They actually represented the Jewish people living in exile. They represented how the people were feeling their sense of hopelessness and lifelessness. They represented the emotional and spiritual state of the people, a people who were as good as dead. They had no strength for today. They had no hope for the future. They were a people who felt like a bunch of very dry bones. Again, let me ask you, have you ever felt like they did? I tend to think that just about all of us have experienced times in our lives when we feel emotionally and spiritually dead and dried up as if we can't go on hopeless, lifeless. How do we get to such a place? Oh, you know how. It might be a great hurt, a disappointment, a betrayal. Maybe some ongoing physical illness keeps on attacking and begins to wear you down, down, down. It might be an unexpected loss of a loved one. Or maybe you've neglected your spiritual life or allowed yourself to fall into deep sin. Not only that, but the Bible shows us that without Jesus Christ at work in our lives, we're all lost in our sin and we're all just a bunch of dry bones, we might say. For without the work of God to save us, to forgive us, to cleanse us, to renew us and revive us, our sinfulness leads to death and condemnation, to hopelessness. In fact, the Apostle Paul speaks of being dead in your sins. Dead in your sins. That is, there's no life, no spiritual life, no real life, as long as we are separated from God and lost in our sins. There's no hope of revival and renewal, forgiveness, salvation without the work of God in us, without his spirit working in us. Let me tell you today, in case you don't know, that's why Jesus came. Jesus came because God was not satisfied to leave us dead in our sins. So he paid the price for our sins. And then and and, and then he promises that the Holy Spirit would come into our lives, that we might be born again, everything made new. And so we find ourselves with Ezekiel in the midst of this valley of dry bones, a picture that all too often represents our lives and our world. And again, I know many of us have been there. I've been there myself. But thankfully, the vision goes on. Aren't you thankful for that today? For God does not want to leave us as just a bunch of very dry bones. And so the second part of this vision we might call the lifeless bodies. You see, as strange as it might have seemed, God told Ezekiel to begin to speak to the bones. 
to prophesy to the bones, to preach to the bones. And can't you imagine Ezekiel just kind of stopping there, complaining that preaching to bones, preaching to, to very dry bones just doesn't make sense. I mean, after all, bones don't hear, bones, bones can't respond, bones don't come running to an altar. Dry bones don't do anything. They just sit there like dead dry bones, right? I mean, I don't want to say this, but, um, you know, it's kind of similar to what a lot of preachers face every Sunday, you know? Not here at Shrewsbury First Assembly, you know? <laughs> but Ezekiel, can you imagine? I got to preach to these bones? But Ezekiel was to begin to preach and begin by saying, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. He was to preach a word of good news. He was to preach a gospel message. Oh, for you see, it's true, dry bones don't usually respond, but this was going to be a supernatural message, a supernatural event, because Ezekiel was coming with a word that had come straight from the heart of God. It was what we might call a gospel message, a message of good news, for his message was this. Listen, you may be just a, a bunch of dry bones today, but that is not the plan of God for your life, for God has a plan to do something supernatural in your life. God's plan is to revive you, to renew you, to fill you with his spirit and thus give you new life right now this may be a valley of dry bones but by means of God's spirit something new is about to happen something supernatural is to take place God can do it God will do it God is about to bring about new life you can be born again a message of good news and yes, the situation seemed hopeless. The people felt as good as dead. But Ezekiel was to speak a word of hope in faith, a word of good news, a gospel message, believing that what God had told him to speak would come about. And in fact, as Ezekiel preached to the bones, something began to happen. Right? We read there was a rattling sound. Oh, can you imagine? I don't know how to make a rattling sound. I don't know. You know, imagine all the bones, they start like shaking, you know, and, you know. Something began to happen, and the bones began to come together and take shape and form. And form. The supernatural was taking place. The bones, they, they formed into full skeletons. Can you imagine all these skeletons out in the valley? But not only that, then tendons and flesh began to connect and cover them. And I have to think, well, there must have been like the insertion of hearts and livers and lungs and all that kind of stuff, you know. And soon there were all these human bodies lying across the valley. Human valleys. I mean, human bodies lying across the valley. Can you imagine what that was like? What an incredible sight. Now, let me just pause here. What would you have thought if you saw happen what Ezekiel saw happen? What if you had seen the bones come together and turned into bodies? I tend to think that most of us would have stopped right there and said, hey, wow, that's pretty cool. And that's pretty supernatural. And we just might have stopped right there thinking the job was done. But I want to tell you this morning, God was not done. God was not satisfied with bodies lying across the valley. God was not interested in mere shape and form, for there was yet something missing. Verse 8 tells us what was missing when it says this, but there was no breath in them. There was no life in them. There was no spirit in them. 
Listen, the fact is God could have put Jerusalem and the temple back together and then brought his people back to the homeland, and one day he would. And God could work to fix the outward circumstances for his people, and one day he would, but that would not be enough. God had so much more in store. God wanted so much more for his people. He wanted them to know what it meant to be filled with his spirit, filled with his life. I'm afraid, church, that too often we are satisfied with just an outward fix. We think that everything is okay because we've gotten things cleaned up on the outside. We become satisfied with religion and good works and moral behavior as if that's the answer to our hopelessness, lifelessness, and sin. Not that those things are bad in and of themselves. There's nothing wrong with religious expressions and traditions, and we ought to live lives that are filled with good works and moral behavior. But if that's all we have... We have not yet experienced what God desires for us, what God has planned for us, for God has so much more, so much more. And that leads us to the third part of this vision, which we might call an army of spirit-filled people. You see, because God was not yet done, Ezekiel was, 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 was next commanded to prophesy or to speak to the breath, the wind, the spirit, the ruach. That's the Hebrew word. Say it with me, ruach. Ruach, yeah, at the end, you know? And what we have here in Ezekiel 37 is a bit of a word play. For the one word, ruach, can be translated as wind, breath, and spirit. It's the same word. And that's why when you read through this passage, some of your translations at certain points will say breath, some will say wind, some will say spirit, because it's the same word. You see, it's the same image that's found in Genesis 2-7 where we read of the creation of man, the creation of Adam, and God, God then breathes his breath of life into him, and the Bible says he becomes a living spirit. It's the same picture that we find in John chapter 20 where Jesus breathes on his, on his disciples and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Even at Pentecost, as we read earlier, as Pastor Gee read for us, Right? We read as the Holy Spirit came, there was a sound of a mighty rushing wind. You see, Ezekiel is instructed to begin to cry out to the four corners of the earth, calling for the winds of God to begin to blow, calling for the Spirit of God to begin to breathe, for the breath of God to come and do for these bodies across this valley what God had done for Adam in the garden, to breathe into these bodies the breath of life that they might become living beings. Ezekiel is, in essence, interceding on behalf of those whose lives have been destroyed by sin, those who have lost all hope. Ezekiel is crying out to the Spirit of God on their behalf, praying for God to work a miracle, to take them beyond mere form and shape, to resurrect that which had been, had been destroyed. And I believe there's two things we learn from this portion of the, of, the, of the vision. And the first is this, that there is no life without the Spirit of God. There is no life without the Spirit of God. But you see, we cannot bring about spiritual life in someone else, nor in ourselves, no matter how hard we try. For ultimately, we need the ministry of God's Spirit, for only He can bring life. Jesus said in John chapter 3, Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. 
He says, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows. There's that connection again, wind and spirit. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. See, ultimately, it is God who brings life. It's a spirit of God breathing and blowing into our lives, breathing and blowing into a person that brings about real life, new life, eternal life. It's by the spirit of God that we are born again and and then are enabled to go on to live a, a life that's filled with supernatural life. I have to ask you this morning, have you yet been born again? Do you know what it means to put your faith in Jesus and then allow the Holy Spirit to come and to begin to make you new from the inside out. That's what he wants to do for you. You can't fix yourself up. You can't earn your way to heaven. Right? You can't make yourself good enough. Right? What you need is the spirit of God to come into your life that you might be, as Jesus said, born again. The second thing we learn from this part of the, the vision is this, that when God's spirit moves, There's a tremendous outpouring of life, and it's an outpouring for all, for all. For notice the result of Ezekiel's intercession and prophecy, where it says, there before him stood a vast army, a vast army. Listen, not just a few. It doesn't say just some of them were raised up, but all. They were all raised up into a vast army. Oh, imagine again, if you will, bones coming together, taking on form, forming bodies, and then suddenly the wind begins to blow, and God begins to breathe his breath of life, and as the wind blows into the nostrils of those bodies strewn across the valley, they begin to breathe on their own, filled with new life, and they begin to stand up, ready to do whatever God has for them to do. As in Jesus said, he came that we might have life, have it to the full, have, have, have abundant life. The word there means extraordinary, over and above what's normal. We might say over-the-top life. How many of us want over-the-top life? Jesus spoke of rivers of living water flowing out from within us as he spoke about the Holy Spirit. And he promised that one day the promise of the Father would be fulfilled, that the gift of the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon God's people, that we might know the power of God at work in and through our lives. In Acts 2.39, Peter says on Pentecost Sunday that this promise is for you, for your children, your grandchildren, the generations to come, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And so God says through Ezekiel, Ezekiel 37, 14, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. Somebody needs to hold on to that this morning. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. For when God's spirit begins to breathe and blow, he brings about life. Not just a little bit of life, not just a taste of life but an overflowing of life, of life into our lives, into our homes, into our communities, into our world, that there will be a river of life flowing out from us, affecting everything around us. Oh, church, listen, when we begin to speak to the wind, when we begin to cry out to the Spirit of God, he will begin to move and do that which we ourselves could never do. The Holy Spirit will come and bring new life to those who thought that all hope for life was gone, new life to those whose lives have been torn about by sin and have begun to disintegrate into worthless dust, new life to those whose lives have been destroyed by the enemy, and he will take us far beyond just getting cleaned up a little bit on the outside. 
For as we look to God, he fills us with his spirit, the spirit of life, and he raises us up that we might be able to stand ready to do whatever God would have us to do, that we might be a people who would stand in the power of God, filled with the gifts of the spirit, more than that, filled and overflowing with the fruit of his spirit. For we understand it's not by our might, it's not by our own power, but it's by the spirit, says the Lord. And I pray that today many of us would know the blowing of God's spirit into our lives, that many of us will begin to sense the breathing of the breath of God upon us, and that today we as a church will be able to stand as an army ready to live as God has called us to live and to do what he's called us to do, and not just on Pentecost Sunday. I mean, this is, just, this is a day just to remind us of these things. But it's a call for us to live our lives as, as, as his people, open to the ministry, and the work, and the life of his Holy Spirit day after day after day. And so let me ask you this. Which part of this vision best represents your life today? Are you feeling dead, hopeless, like maybe like a dried up bone? You might not want to admit that to anybody, but you know that's where you are today, here in the sanctuary, maybe someone online. Or maybe you feel like you're just a shell of a person. Um, you know, you kind of feel like you got everything together, or at least you give the impression that everything's okay. Everything looks good on the outside, but you know on the inside you are yet lifeless. Or are you living a spirit-filled life? Have you been born again and filled with the Spirit of God, living in the power of his might? You see, the question still stands today, can these bones live? Can these bones live? And left to ourselves, the answer is a great big no. It was just up to Ezekiel and his own power. The answer will be no. But where the Spirit of God is at work, the answer becomes a resounding Come on, it becomes a resounding yes. For when we cry out to God and call upon the Holy Spirit to come, he comes and works the supernatural in us and through us. He begins to breathe and to blow and to revive and restore. The promise still stands. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And so today, church, I want to invite us to, to cry out to God, not just in this moment, but, but in our lives to be people who know what it means to cry out to the Spirit of God, asking Him to fill us anew over and over again, that we might know the life the life of God at work in us and through us, that together as a church, we might stand as a Spirit-filled army, a Spirit-filled army ready to do what He has called us to do ready to be all he has called us to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. Come on, church. Would you stand with me? Worship team, would you come? Come on right now. Right now, I just want to invite us to lift our hands to the Lord, lift our voices to the Lord. Come on. Again, I don't know where you are at. You might today feel like that dried up bone. 
You might feel today like you're just a shell of a person, just going through the motions, but the promise still stands. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. And so today, we cry out to the Spirit of God. We say, Spirit of God, here I am. I'm just a dried-up bone. I'm, I feel lifeless. I feel hopeless. I feel helpless. But I'm calling to you. I'm asking for you to come and, and just begin to breathe into me. Spirit of God, I, I'm just at this place in my life where everybody thinks everything's okay on the outside and it all looks so good, but, but on the inside, I'm just empty. I'm lifeless. Breathe upon me today. Breathe upon me. Spirit of God, I need you not just yesterday, not just last night, but I need you today. And I need you not just today, but I need you tomorrow. For I, 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 I really want to know what it means to live my life born again and filled with the spirit of life, life overflowing, that there will be rivers of living water flowing from my innermost being. Spirit of God, we as a church, we want to stand as an army of spirit-filled people breathing the breath of life. Breathing the breath of life. Hallelujah. 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 The worship team is going to lead us in this song. It just starts, all who are thirsty, all who are, all who are weak, come to the fountain. And it's an invitation. We, we, we sing, come Lord Jesus, and then come Holy Spirit.